What do you do when you're staring eyeball to chest with 350 pounds of mutant muscle ready to pound your face in? Well, let's talk tactics. If bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey there, everyone. It's Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And it's probably no surprise, everybody, that I'm a real tactics junkie, right? Like, I, I have stacks and stacks and stacks of old magazines piled up everywhere from everything from Black Belt Magazine to Soldier of Fortune to Combat Hand. I mean, you name it. Anything tactics, I just I can't get enough of it. And so anytime I'm passing by a newsstand or a bookstore, I especially like the bookstores because they have just racks and racks and racks of magazines, right? And I always go to the tactical section. And so this past week I was in the bookstore and I was looking at some of my old favorites and I noticed on, right on the front cover of this one magazine, I won't say which one it is, but there was a, a big bold headline there of defeat a larger attacker. Now, as you know, hand to hand combat is like, to me is like the core of any self protection platform. doesn't matter how many big badass guns that you have or whatever. Hand-to-hand combat is really your bottom line foundational tool set, your arsenal, your weapon that you have that you always have to be able to rely on because you never know when you're going to be without a firearm or anything like that, right? So I also know that defeating a larger attacker is the number one question that we always get. We always have ever since the beginning of our company way back in, geez, 2001, that was that's always been the biggest question we get. So, of course, I'm looking at this magazine like, great. Like, I wonder what other people are putting out there. I wonder if there's any new techniques or any new tactics or whatever, because this is an area that I'm really interested in. So I purchased the magazine. I didn't even look to see what it was inside of the magazine. I just immediately grabbed it, brought it home, and then started to read it. And so I went straight to that article, because that was the number one thing I wanted from the whole thing. And I proceeded to open it up. And it's great that there's lots of, I can see the pictures already of some instructor that's showing how to, how to defeat a larger attacker. And I'm looking at the person and well, they're not really up against somebody who is bigger and stronger than them, but I get it. They're still demonstrating what it is. And so I'm looking at the techniques and it took me a total of maybe three seconds to figure that this was, again, just another case of martial arts BS regurgitated with a new headline to be able to show people exactly what not to do when it comes to defeating a larger attacker. What I mean by that is all of the techniques that I found inside of this article, and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw the instructor or the, the magazine under, under the bus at all, but I think it's important that people realize that flashy 
like articles and things like this and headlines don't mean anything if they're not backed up with real tactics. Now, when I was looking at this, so what made this really something that you would not want to follow? Well, a lot of the techniques really were very complicated. And we know that in a real fight, especially when you're facing somebody who's bigger and stronger than you and you, and you get that sense of, hmm, I might not survive this encounter, then that's going to jack up the adrenaline right through the roof. And so we know that any time that your adrenaline is going, that, that fight or flight, that freeze fight or flight reaction is going inside of your body biochemically, that there's a lot of things that happen, right? Like you, you don't have fine motor skills anymore. You only have gross motor movements. So all those really complicated martial arts moves that you might be taught, they might work really well inside of the relaxed atmosphere of a dojo somewhere. But with the adrenaline really pumping, you're probably not going to be able to pull those off. And I don't care how much training you actually get in it, right? So a lot of the techniques that this instructor was showing were very complicated techniques. And you can't count on them. Now, the other thing that I noticed was that they were really using strength against strength. Now, again, the person that they were demonstrating against wasn't a big you know, muscle-bound, felon-looking, badass biker dude that you you might get, you know, you might be afraid of in a parking lot or a bar or something like that. This was somebody who, yeah, you can look at these pictures and you can see, yeah, I can see how that technique, punching this person this way in in, in the face or in in the jaw or using this, that might work against somebody who is of equal size of you, okay? And anybody that says that. Being bigger and stronger is not an advantage in a, in a fight is absolutely dead wrong. Size and strength do matter. But if you know how to overcome them, it's not the determining factor. In fact, the smaller person actually can have an advantage if you know what to do. But it's articles like this that really make me cringe. They make me pull out my hair. They make me want to scream because this disinformation is what sets people up either for a false sense of overconfidence of what they can do, or they just figure, you know what, they look at it and, and common sense will tell you this would not work against somebody who's twice my size, and really you just abandon all hope that you can do anything. It really isn't that difficult to beat up anybody on the planet. I don't care how big and strong that they are. If you know just some fundamental principles about how to do it. And that's what I wanted to share with you this week in our podcast. I want to give you three, just three simple factors that will help you defeat anybody that's twice your size, twice your strength. It does not matter. But you must follow these three factors. And none of them include having a, a firearm. <laughs> Although, what better way to level the playing field, right? Okay, so I want to give you these three simple factors right now. Factor number one is to strike first. Now, my instructor, my very first martial arts instructor, always said that 80% of the time, and I don't know if this is a real statistic, but he always said 80% of the time, the person who's going to win the fight is the person who gets in the first strike. And the reason for that is, is because once you are on the defensive, once you find yourself trying to react to attacks or to get your balance or to overcome this sudden the sudden explosion of you just getting punched in the face and you have to go, you know, fight back from that shock and understand what's happening and then build out your counterattack and, and fight back. By the time all of that happens, the other person could have already landed a couple more blows on you. Okay. So 
reaction does not work. Action is always going to be faster than reaction is going to be, right? Always. And if you doubt that, you might want to take a look at the dollar bill trick. So this is a, a something you can do even like as a as a bar trick or something, right? Uh, you take like a a twenty dollar bill or a fifty dollar bill or a hundred dollar bill. This is a common kind of a magic trick you can do in bars. But basically, you tell somebody like, "Look, I've got this hundred dollar bill here, and I'm going to bet you that you cannot catch this hundred dollar bill. All I want you to do is hold out your hands in front of you like you're holding a glass, just about four inches apart." And I'm going to hold this $100 bill in between here, about halfway down from your grip. And I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to give you three tries. And all you have to do is you have to catch the $100 bill on its way past you. The only thing is you have to wait until I let go of the $100 bill. And you can't follow the $100 bill down. You have to hold your hand stationary. And all you can do is just clamp your thumb and your fingers together to catch it. But if you But you have three chances to do it. And if you do it, you will get the $100 bill. If you don't do it, then I'm going to ask you to give me $5. So that's kind of like the parlor trick, right? The thing is, is that nobody can catch the $100 bill. It is impossible. Okay? You, again, you don't want you don't want to hold the bill like against their fingers. You don't want cuz you don't want them to feel when the the bill goes out. It's just like hanging in there, halfway between there, you let it go, they will try and close down and it's not going to work. It's guaranteed every time. And that's because the brain in order to process action has to in an, in an, in an, in a reaction to another stimuli has to send a signal to the brain and that has to be processed by the brain before it can be sent to the extremities to be able to take action on what the brain is going to do with that information right so it it's an impossible trick it can't be done and the same thing happens in a real fight action is always faster than reaction so i don't care how many times you practice blocking if somebody goes to strike you with a punch, they're going to punch you before you can block it. So all you have is the ability to strike first because your goal is to put them on the defensive, not you, so that you can follow up with other strikes after that. So it's really imperative that you understand when the fight is on. Now, we did a whole podcast episode on this with Ron Groban, who is a former Israeli IDF Special Operations Soldier, it was episode number 159, if you want to go back and take a look at that. And it was what I consider to be probably the number one close combat secret out there, and that is what we call the switch. It's being able to turn on or turn off your aggression at a moment's notice. And you have to be able to do that in order to strike first, because you have to make that decision in your mind that, okay, I can't get out of this fight, and so the fight is on, and I'm not going to wait for this person to strike me. Because I know from that point on, I'm probably dead. So principle number one is you have to strike first. So some of the signals you want to look for is, well, some of it's just a gut feeling you have, right? If you this person's right up in your face, it might just be a, a feeling that you have like this, like there is going to be a fight. This person is going to strike me. Okay. Other things you can look for are physical signs that they're going to strike you, such as clenching of the jaw or a stare or they get closer up into your face or they start to fidget more. If they're tensing up their their neck muscles, their shoulders, if their chin starts to go down because that's a protective mechanism that our body has to protect our neck, if they start clenching their fists, signs like that are all signs that they're building themselves up 
to be able to strike. Even if they have, even if they're not, doesn't, they, don't, they don't look like they're building themselves up. If their friends around them are trying to goad them on to strike you, that puts an, an, a pressure on them to be able to fight you, right? They're, to force them to fight you. So all of those signs can show, you know what? I'm not going to get out of this one. I have to strike. And when you make that decision, when you make, when you have that realization, that's when you flip the switch and you strike first. Don't be afraid of the legal repercussions of that as long as you can communicate to a responding officer that here's why I was in fear for my life or here's why I had to strike this person. I gave them an out. I, I tried to talk. I tried to give them, uh, you know, talk them down. It, did, it wasn't working. Their friends were goading them on. I saw the signs. He was, his, 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 his teeth were clenching. I, I knew he was going to strike me. The only defense I had was to strike him first. Law enforcement knows that, okay? So principle number one, strike first. Principle number two is going to seem a little weird to you, but especially when I say that a smaller person uh, can defeat a larger attacker, and that is to strike hard. Now, I don't necessarily mean strong. I don't necessarily mean a powerful strike. Right, because that makes it strength versus strength, and then it starts to kind of pull you away from these principles of of giving you the simple tactics to be able to defeat a larger attacker. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be big and strong and strike strike hard to them, but you do need to commit to that strike. So it's as hard as you can strike. Now, what I mean by that is a lot of people defeat themselves mentally when they're thinking about this bigger, stronger attacker in front of them. And so what that does is it it sucks the power out of you because if you've ever seen this before where somebody goes to like push somebody as the start of a fight, right? Like if you see somebody that is very meek or is not committed to actually striking somebody, they might like just push, reach out and touch them with one hand or just push them or something like that. But they're not committed, right? It's like this, it's kind of like this message of, hey, like, please leave me alone. It doesn't send the signal of I'm going to pulverize you into the ground. So what I mean by strike hard is you have to strike as hard as you can because you, that's going to be your commitment switch. When you really turn on that switch, when you flip that switch, you've got to take all of that strength, that power, that fear, that whatever, and put that behind your strike. Now that's going to give you extra power. It's going to give you near superhuman strength, more than what you could just consciously pull out of you. It's going to give you the strength that you need, but you have to go all in. And again, that kind of goes back to the switch, right? Now, when you're striking hard, I don't want you to actually punch your attacker. I'm not a fan of punching at all. In fact, I have the second most, I think it's like the second most viewed self-defense video on YouTube. It has over 15 million views to it. And the whole point of it is what me telling people why you should not punch in a real street fight. In fact, I'll go ahead and, and create, uh, give you a link over to that video uh, in the show notes for this that you can go over and take a look at all the reasons why. But I am not a fan of punching. And when you think about it, right, like punching a larger attacker, there's this sense of it's just going to bounce off of them anyway. So again, this mentally defeats you. It can take away power by doing that. What are some better options for you to strike with? Well, palm heel is a much better attack. A palm heel to, to different targets 
is not going to hurt your hand that you might need to be able to get to a firearm or get to a knife or even dial 911. You can fracture your hand in that process. So punching is not the best thing. Palm heel, though, is a very powerful strike. It works very well against targets. Um, and you can get a lot of power behind it. Okay. Uh, another option are to use elbows. Now, elbow is not what I consider really a first strike option, but it's a great follow-up strike option. In fact, uh, when we did training out in Colorado, we had a bunch of M modern combat and survival guys come out. We did this training course where we used bullet, uh, bullet, uh, bullet men's suits where basically this big carriage around the, around the head. Like you can do anything to the bullet man suits, right? You can take a baseball bat to their head. They can't feel it inside of there. Well, guess what? I had uh, my attacker, I got him on the ground and I was pummeling him with elbow strikes. He had to call it off right there because he could feel the concussion from the elbow strike coming through this giant cage of a helmet and it was it was impacting his head. So that's how powerful elbow strikes can be under the right conditions. Okay. Now, again, all of these matter only if you're putting them in the right place. In fact, I'm going to share with you the simple secrets of where to strike when it is go time and the number one biggest myth that most people are taught about self-defense that could get you pulverized in a real fight. But first, check out this special message. Imagine staring up at a six foot nine, 350 pound biker dude, rage in his eyes, ready to cram a beer bottle down your throat as payback for bumping into him. Would you know exactly what to do? Without cowering in fear, without begging for mercy, without getting stomped to the floor and beaten while your family watches in horror? You will now with this simple three-step plan. One, don't take your family to biker bars. That's really kind of stupid, isn't it? Two, harden your mind with bulletproof warrior confidence. And three, master your own secret bag of shockingly powerful fight tricks. Waiting for you and your free DVD you can claim now at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. In a real fight, you don't have the option of losing. Not when your life or the safety of your family hiding behind you is on the line. You need to know exactly what to do in those first few seconds of an attack and end it quickly and walk away with your life, your loved ones, and your pride intact. In this free DVD, you'll discover the street fighting secrets for how to knock a bigger, stronger man head first into the pavement with brutal, unstoppable power and speed regardless of your size, strength, or even if you've never been in a fight before in your life. Claim your free DVD now while this offer is still available at www.defeatlargerattackers.com and unleash your true potential to kick ass. And now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson. We've been talking about three simple factors for destroying any attacker twice your size, twice your strength. And we're on the third principle now. So just to kind of sum everything up, number one was strike first. Make sure that you are the first one to get in a strike. You have to, that means you have to know when the fight is on and you have to be able to take action on it. Principle number two, factor number two was to strike hard. Not necessarily meaning that you have to be big and strong to strike. You just have to go all in and put everything that you've got behind your commitment to take this person out in front of you. But it's the third one here that is really critically important. And without it, the first two 
necessarily aren't really going to help you at all. And that is to strike targets, not the muscle in front of you. Now, what do I mean by that, striking targets? Because it doesn't matter as much how hard you hit somebody as it does where you actually strike them. And if you picture somebody that's 350 pounds of mutant muscle in front of you, you really get this, right? Like, that's why people are afraid. If people weren't afraid of punching somebody who's bigger and stronger than them and having an effect on them, well, that they would, there would be no fear there. You would know that your punch would do something. But we picture this punching this person in the chest or in the stomach or in the face or whatever, and because they look so solid, well, we just assume that we're not going to be able to muster enough strength for this mass in front of us. Well, that's true if you try and maybe punch them in the stomach or punch them in the chest or probably even punch them in the head, if you will. But there are targets that it doesn't matter how big and strong you are, you cannot build up enough to be able to withstand an attack. Now, there are some obvious places that people naturally think of, and the first one that people often think of is the groin, right? Well, I think this is the number one biggest myth that a lot of people are taught in self-defense classes that really deserves a second look at it. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't hurt to get hit in the gonads because it most certainly does. I can tell you from experience, any guy can tell you from experience, anybody that's ever ridden a bike and fallen down on that bar in between there knows what it feels like. It sucks, right? Well, that's true. However, in the adrenaline of a real attack, that person's pain tolerance is going to be much higher. So that's one thing. It might not have the effect that you want on them from a pain standpoint alone. The other thing that does, if it, the other thing that it is <laughs> related to the groin strike is that with the biomechanics of the body, how the body actually responds to pain triggers is somewhat pretty programmed. This is one of the foundational concepts of my friend Tim Larkin's target focus training is that the body has an involuntary reaction to different strikes that it might do to move away from pain. So as an example, if you were to strike somebody in the groin, let's say that you were going to do a groin kick, all right? So you kick them in the groin, you're face to face with this person, you reach out and kick them in the groin, what does their body do? Well, everybody's body pretty much reacts the same way, which is the hands go down to the groin, the body involuntarily comes forward, the head comes forward, the body lunges forward to be able to basically crouch down and protect your testicles. Well, the problem with that is if you're right in front of that person and you're doing a square on kick or even a strike to them, if you if you reach down and just punch straight down, and that happens, well, basically you're going to get headbutted from their body's involuntary reaction. And that's a fact, folks. So it's not like they crumple down into a ball right there. And unfortunately, this is one of those things that, again, works really well in the relaxed atmosphere of the dojo because you're not really going to kick somebody in the balls in the dojo, right? And their body isn't going to involuntary react. They are going to play act from that strike. And it's going to go exactly how they think it will go or how the instructor wants it to go, but it's not reality. You're probably going to get headbutted if you try and kick somebody and you keep your body right in front of that person. Now, there are ways to mitigate that. You can go off to the side. You can kick from a further distance away, like with a snap kick or something like that. 
Or if you're striking with your hand, you can move to the side at the same time as you're doing it. There are ways around that. However, I'm not a big fan of the groin as a first strike. So I prefer more of a, of a, of a high-low type approach. So the head is a really good target if you target it right. So again, you know I'm not a fan of punching. Um, I am a fan of palm strikes, but my number one go-to move is to do a double palm strike where you just literally just take their head off of their shoulders. Now, it doesn't matter how big or strong they are. If you can reach up high enough to where you can get their head and move and, and you can move forward like into where their body space is while at the same time shoving your hands up underneath their chin and pushing their head out, well, that is my number one go-to move because it comes up the straight, the center line of their body. It's an under-the-radar attack. It's very hard for them to even see that it's even happening. So by the time they get hit with it, they are not going to even, they're not even going to know that it was coming. But then also using your full body, it's your entire body strength and power all with what's above their neck because the top of their body does, is not going to help them. You're going to get them off, off balance and taking their head that way, the body is going to follow where the head goes, which means it's going to go backwards. Now they're either going to fall down and they're going to, they're going to lose their balance and fall down or they're going to try and get one leg back to be able to steady themselves. So it's not the, it's not a necessary, well, it could be a knockout move. But I've never seen it as a knockout move. I've used this before. I've never seen it actually knock somebody out. But it will take them back off of, it will put them on the defense. There's no way they can launch an offensive attack from that position. Okay? So that is my number one go-to move. It's the exact one that we show in uh, the DVD that we give away for free on Defeat Larger Attackers. It's at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. You can go there. Just get the DVD for free there. I show exactly how to pull this move off, even under the worst conditions. Now, another option that you have is going to be the eyes, because it doesn't matter how many times they go to the gym, they're not going to be able to build up their eye muscles, right? So being able to reach out and use your fingertips, which gives you extra reach, more so than a punch, right? Because now your fingers are extended and you can just jab your fingers into their eyes. I prefer more of a clawing motion to make sure that it's not a, you know, again, targeting is going to be very kind of difficult with such a small target as an eye. Uh, you might not be able to get that over to them, whereas a claw and ripping across their face has a better chance of reaching to their eyes. And if they can't see, then they can't hit you, right? And there's an involuntary reaction there. They're going to move back. They're going to bring their hands up to their eyes. They're going to move their face away from you again. Puts them on the defensive, which is exactly where you want them to be able to follow up with another attack. So with that high line attack, I like to go low from there because their upper body is going to be away from me. They're going to be on the defensive, which opens up everything down below, which does include the groin. Because now with their upper body angled away from you, if you have an open shot to the groin, you're not going to get that old, um, that, that same response there with somebody being able to headbutt you involuntarily, okay? So what you're going to get is that open line of targets. You have a groin there. Another good one is a stomp to the knees to be able to take out their, their lower structure or to their ankle on the inside of the ankle, about two inches or so up right above that ankle bone right there is a really critical pressure point that will completely take away the function of that leg.
I consider that a knockout move, and even though they're not going to go unconscious with it. So those are the really the primary targets that I like to look at. And you're going to know what you have available when you're staring at this person trying to talk them down. You want to take a look at what targets are they giving you? Which ones are they handing you on a silver platter? And if they're bigger and stronger than you and they feel like they're intimidating you, well, they're going to leave those targets open because they don't think that you're going to strike them, especially if there's a big, vast difference there between their size and your size. Again, that's the little guy's advantage. All right, so those are the three factors that really can help you defeat a larger attacker in a real street fight. And again, you can go ahead and get this on our free DVD over at DefeatLargerAttackers.com. Just tell us where to send your DVD, and we'll get that out to you, and it'll show you exactly all the principles I've been talking about here, as well as a whole bunch of other little tricks that are in there, too. And until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast, this is Jeff Anderson saying prepare, train, and survive. Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.